bit about uh, the goodness and the blessings and the favor of the Lord. I'll come up with a better title, Austin, before this message is over. But as Pastor Rhonda mentioned this morning, we are at war. There is a battle raging. There is a war going on. And we've been told in the book of Daniel, the prophetic chapter of the Bible, that uh, that in the last days, the number one plan or purpose of the enemy will try to wear out the saints of the Most High God. And we know the enemy effectively in many of our lives has been successful uh, by producing the, uh, the power of worry. Uh, worry has a power. Uh, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. But uh, we can certainly relate to the enemy messing with our thoughts, messing with our life, messing uh, with the things that God has for us. It was the enemy very early in the marriage of Adam and Eve that came and wreaked havoc and uh, mayhem. And John 10 and 10, Jesus is talking a little bit about the flock. He's talking about the sheep. He's talking about wolves. He's talking about thieves. And in John 10 and 10, Jesus has a revelation for us. He said, the thief comes not but for two. And there's three reasons the thief comes. He comes to steal, and he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and may have it more abundantly. I am the good. Look at someone say good. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for my flock. I am the good shepherd. And I looked at some of the uh, homonyms for kill, steal, and destroy. And when Jesus said the enemy comes to kill you, the enemy, if he can, through the spirit of pharmacia, through the spirit of alcohol or drugs or suicide, the enemy wants to take your life because the value of that life is so precious and it's so worthy that God sent his only son to die just for you. That's how valuable your life is, that the blood of Jesus was shed, that you could have life and have it more abundantly. So certainly his plan in your life is to try to kill you. Uh, the number two cause of deaths uh, in America is cancer and heart failure. And the enemy would like to invade your body with cancer. The enemy would like to mess with your heart. On the way to Chattanooga this week, on one of the uh, public uh, uh, DOT signs, it says that every 53 minutes, somewhere in America, a person is dying either by the hands of a drunk driver or they are a drunk driver. Every 53 minutes in America, someone on our interstates die uh, through, the, through the, 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 the abuse of alcohol. Uh, we do know that there are 40,000 suicides every year in America, 40,000 suicides, I'm sorry, every day in America, 40,000 suicides, and 98% of those are drug-related. They're overdose, either accidental or on purpose. And so we see the enemy certainly has set a trap, and he has set a hook, and he set a bait, and he wants to kill you. When you think about the enemy wanting to steal, you'll look at some of the things that you have lost uh, when the enemy had his way in your life. And I think of things that we have lost, obviously, by the way of, of our health. The enemy has stolen our health. The enemy has stolen our family. The enemy has stolen our finances. The enemy has stolen our joy. And we can certainly see that he is a thief that needs to be dealt with. He's a thief that needs to be, needs to be 
uh, confronted and be told that we belong to God and he no longer has permission to steal anything from us. When we look at destruction, we look at the three areas of our life that the enemy would like to destroy. He would like to destroy your destiny. He would like to destroy your purpose, and he would like to destroy your dreams. The Bible said they come to a day in their life where they had lost their vision, and without a vision, the people perish. But then it talks about restoration, and that they found themselves those that, those that dreamed again that God would return our dreams, that God would return our purpose, and God would return our destiny. And when I look at the area of the enemy, and those of you that have been with me a while, you know that there are three mandates in the enemy's life, destiny rather, purpose rather, and that is to accuse you, to tempt you, and deceive you. The enemy wants to accuse you before God. He wants to accuse you before the brethren. Then he wants to tempt you to do something stupid, to be involved in something that hurts you, or wound you, but the number one attack of the enemy is to try to deceive you. John Bevere taught us Wednesday night that the enemy, that's one of his main areas, that in the last days that the enemy shall deceive many, and many shall hate one another, and many shall be at aught at one another. And we see that deception today uh, in, in, uh, in the world. I saw something on Facebook by one of my pastor friends. I think it was one of our Timothys. I think it was Chris Taylor that he ran into some guy that was religious to try to convince him that the world was flat, <laughs> that the world was flat. And, you know, we see all, I mean, and religion, which is man's search for a deity, we see so many different religions and so many different uh, areas uh, that the enemy works in. And uh, when, I, when I think about the enemy coming to accuse and coming to tempt and coming to deceive, I think about the promise that God has for us in Psalm 23. I was at a, a, a funeral. I'll talk a little bit about that a little later, but I was at a funeral this week, and on most of the announcements when you go to a funeral home, usually on the um, uh, announcement is the Lord, is the Psalms 23, is the Lord's Prayer. And But before you go to Psalms 23, if you go real, real quick with me to uh, Psalm 100, and I found some directions and a mandate that God has for us today and some things that I want to draw from later, but Psalms 100, one of the first uh, chapters of the Bible that I memorized uh, 35 years ago, is a powerful truth, powerful instruction, powerful direction, powerful knowledge. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. How many knows that we are a noisy people? How many knows if we put a stereo in our car, it's got to have tweeters and woofers and a power amp to make the radio do more than it originally was intended to do? How many's ever gone to a mall or ever gone to a restaurant? We were in a restaurant yesterday that was so loud I couldn't hear the waitress talking that we are a noisy generation. And God gives us instruction to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's a, it's a joy to be a part of the family. It's a joy to serve God. It's a joy to do the things that God has called us to do and to come into his presence with singing. If you miss Sunday morning worship, by the way, we start at 1030. Just a thought. If you miss that 30 minutes of praise and worship, you probably won't later in the week have that opportunity to be, be able to worship, worship God one another in a community together in the power that when we, when we agree in worship and praise, what will God will do for us. It says to come before us present singing, know ye that the Lord, he is God. He is the only God. He is the God above every God 
It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. Regardless of how many self-help books you read or regardless of what kind of courses that you take, it was God that wired you, God that put you together, and God knows how to make you better. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows how to make me better. He really does know how to make me better. And then four instructions, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into the gates corporately and we declare to one another how thankful we are for the things that God has done for us. And I'm, re I'm remember, reminded of the cliche, I once complained that I had no shoes until I met a man that had no feet. And we're appreciative today of clothes and food and finances and, and shelter and, and a car and insurance and a job and, a, and friends and family. Did I mention food? And food. All those things that we are thankful for, that we, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We begin to horizontally, we begin to praise God together. And as we praise him horizontally, we slip into that gear called worship and we transition into worship and our, wor and our, our, and our, and our words become vertical and we create a vertical and we create a horizontal. And there under the power of the shadow of the cross, we worship him. For he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. Aren't you glad this morning that we praise him? We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We step into his courts with praise. And then we are thankful unto him. There's two different thanksgivings, thanking, thanking God to one another, and then actually thanking God for the ability to read and write, the ability to walk, the ability to speak, the ability to sing, the ability that I mentioned food, and the ability we thank God personally for all those things. And after we've done that, then we bless his name. And that's the worship that the enemy tries to stop and to hinder. For the Lord is good. Somebody say goodness with me. And his mercy is everlasting. Say mercy with me. And his truth endureth to all generations. Now, if you'll go with me just for a moment to Psalm 23, a very familiar passage of Scripture. There are just some things that I'd like to bring to your attention this morning concerning Psalms 23. The Lord is my. Don't you love that? The Lord is mine. I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. He woke me up this morning, started me on my way. The Lord has blessed me right now because he is mine. I belong to him and he belongs to me. It's a corporate thing. It's a covenant thing. It's a coveted thing to have that, that peace and that relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd. And we think about sheep. I was at Pastor Connie's yesterday, and I saw some of the stupidest goats doing the dumbest things but I've been told that sheep are dumber than goats. I don't know all about that, but I've just been told that sheep are stupid. They'll fall off a cliff. They'll fall in a river. Uh, they're just not very smart. But, but the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, I've, I learned that when I became a child of God, my wants changed. When I was in the world, I wanted the things of the world. But when it became a part of God, I wanted the things that were of God, that God had for us. And the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the Bible says, he maketh me, 
and that deals with a lot of people's self-control issues. Nobody wants to be made to do anything. Hello, we don't like that. We like to wear our own free bird. We like to do our own thing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I'm going to show you in just a minute the Sabbath that God, God makes us. That's a decision that he makes for us to, to be rested, to be refreshed. And you'll notice the week that God was busy, all the incredible things from day one to dividing the heaven to day six to creating whales and man. Here God creates a very healthy man and woman. Can you imagine man? Man was nothing. All of a sudden he woke up his eyes and saw, and saw God. How incredible. Then he falls asleep. He, he wakes up again and he sees woman. And he says, I'm going to fall asleep again. Who knows what I will wake up, what else God has for me. Does that, does that encourage inside anybody in this building this morning that he, 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 he makes me to lie down in green pastures? So he makes this healthy man and woman on the sixth day. Then the seventh day, he declares a rest. Well, man and woman, they're full of energy. They've just been created. They don't want to rest. They want to go get a job. They want to go shopping. They want to go duck hunting. They want to go bass fishing. They don't, why, why would they want to rest? They're, they're brand new. They're healthy. They're whole. They know no sickness, no limitations, no boundaries. But God said, I want you to always remember the value that I have in your life and how important that I am in your life, that I want you to take a day. It's not a, it's not a vacation. It's a celebration that we rejoice. The Sabbath is not about resting or taking a, a nap. It's about enjoying the day with family, enjoying the day with friends, enjoying the day in the house of God, worshiping and being a part of the family of God. That's why he makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still water. That's another word we, we don't like. We don't, we don't like to be led. We like to blaze our own trail, pave our own way. When you look at those that left Massachusetts and made their way to California through all the, all the dangers and toils and snares and all those things of, of, of that journey, we are a free-spirited people. That baby cries when it wants to cry. That baby eats when it wants to eat. That baby does the other thing when it wants to do the other thing. Do I have a witness in the house? That, that's, that's, that's the way that we were wired. We were wired to be our own boss, self-employed, independent. But God said, I hello, God said, I want to lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Do I have a friend in, in the house this morning? He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Uh, Richard asked me this morning, the apartment I'm building for dad, he said, is it done? I said, no, and it probably never will be. Because you're always adding. You're always changing. You're always, you're always doing different things. And I've learned there in Psalms 23 where it says he restoreth my soul. That means he will, he will leave you better than when he found you. Aren't you glad this morning that God got right down there in the muck and the mire and all the addictions and all the hang-ups and all the stuff that we had, but he didn't leave us the way he found us. He pulled us up out of the miry clay, set us on a rock, established our goings, changed our name, put a new song in our, in our mouth, and he completely restored us. You're better than you were originally intended, and you'll be better tomorrow than you are today. Do I have a friend in the house? He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Twice this year already I have been uh, in the valley of the shadow of death. I sat with my beloved mother 
Her last 48 hours, I sat by her bed and held her hand and sang over her. But, you know, in that transition that she made from, from earth to glory, there was no fear. There was no wince. There was no gasp. There was no. She came into this world surrounded by those that she loved. And she left this world surrounded by those that she loved. She walked through that valley of the shadow of death, but with no fear because God was with her. Earlier this week, Katie's grandmother went to be with the Lord. And again, I sat with the family the last hours. I was the counseled uh, liaison to the doctor. Uh, I was the one that told the doctor when to take her off the life support. And I sat right there with her until she, until she drew her last breath. And again, she was surrounded by seven or eight grandkids, by three daughters, by by nieces and nephews, and that 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 hospital wing was was at one time I think there was about 22 to 24 of us. She was surrounded by those that loved her, that touched her and hugged her and sang over her, and she was she was awake. Her eyes were open, but she never gasped, she never cringed, she never she ne she just took her last breath. She came to this world surrounded by those that loved her. She left this world surrounded by those that loved her. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I asked the Lord if he would to send my mom to Phyllis, that when Phyllis got to heaven, my mom would be there to greet her, to make her acquaintance, and go show her some of the cool stuff that she'd been doing the past eight weeks. Aren't you glad that there is a heaven to gain? Aren't you glad that soon and very soon we're going to see the king? What will it be when we get over yonder and join that throng across the glassy sea to crown him Christ and Lord forever? This is just what heaven means to me. She will come back riding a horse. I've never seen my mom on a horse. That she'll come back riding a horse, and the dead in Christ are going to rise up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. How exciting is that? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not, not absent of enemies, not void of enemies, but in the presence of my enemies. And I think about uh, two things the enemy is trying to stop today in our schools, in our lives, in our homes. And number one is prayer, and number two is praise. And you look in the Old Testament that Nebuchadnezzar created an image of himself and said, you will bow or you'll burn. There are three Hebrew dudes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that said, we will not bow. We might burn, but our God will deliver us. They heated the furnace seven times hotter than it ever been. The very ones that prepared the flame for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was overcome by the heat. They died of heat. They died of the heat coming from the furnace. They threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bound them, threw them in the, in the fire, and, and they did not burn, they did not die, they did not destroy, be destroyed. And when the king looked, he said, I thought we threw three men in. I see four, and the fourth one is in the form of the Son of Man. Even the godless heathens will acknowledge that there is a king of kings and a lord of lords and that he is on our side. He cares for us. He watches over us, even in the midst of our enemies. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think about Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day. He was consistent. He was faithful. God answered his prayer. When you watch his life, you see the dreams that he had, the prophecies, the prophetic word he spoke concerning the, re the return of Jesus Christ, and that they were going to shut Daniel down. They were going to shut his, his prayer down. 
And Daniel refused not to stop praying, and they threw him in the den of lions. In the, in the midst of my, of my enemies, thou preparest a table for me. Right there, God prepares a table for you surrounded by your enemies. How crazy is that? Let me finish this before, before I, I use my illustration here this morning. Thou preparest a table before me in the present Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That represents extra. I don't believe God ever intended for us to live paycheck to paycheck, food stamp to food stamp. I believe God wanted us to live a season where we didn't just have enough for our family, but we had enough left over to meet the needs of others. When it said, Thou anointest my head with oil, the destiny, purpose, and plan that God has for you, your life, he gives you the anointing, the abilities, and the talents to pursue that destiny. He said, I'm the one that gives you the power to get wealth. Don't forget me. I'm the God that supplies all your needs. Don't forget me. So everything God has called you to do, he has anointed it for his purpose. The potter has anointed that vessel for good things. Look at somebody and say, good things. God has anointed me for good things. Now, I notice my head with oil. Surely my cup runneth over. That's extra. Surely goodness and mercy, there's a goodness and mercy we found in Psalm 100, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Someone say amen. What a great destiny and purpose and plan that God has for us. But when he said, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies, I, I, I need a chair. I, need, I just need a chair. That's good. This is my table that God prepares for me in the presence of my enemies. And when I sit down to eat, God brings me stuff that I like to eat. And so I'm going to show you how my week goes. Always in my week. There's Wendy's chili. Always in my week, there's Doritos Cool Ranch, but I have to have a Red Bull to go with my Doritos Ranch. And then always in my week, I go out of my way to buy my granddaughter a bag of M&M peanuts. Bailey, this is for you. Can you catch it? Come get it. See, I got enough to give away. I got extra. I got extra to give away. When Pastor Rhonda thinks about it every day, I try to eat a banana. I love bananas. I think I'll eat one right now. And always, always, usually in my week, later at night, I always drink a Dr. Pepper with my Fazoli's. Fazoli's was the only thing that I wasn't able to get on here. And, of course, life wouldn't be life without Taco Bell. I rarely eat an apple. I'm not a real big apple eater. I rarely, I rarely eat an orange unless someone prepares it for me. I don't like to peel. I don't like to get that orange stuff underneath my thumbnail. But in the presence of my enemies, oh, I need some enemies. Uh, Chris, would you come and take a chair and would you join me? And uh, one, of my one of my enemies is discouragement. So easy sometimes, especially when you get closer to 65 years of age, you look back and say, what could I have done differently to have 
a better life, no regrets. But the enemy always tries to discourage you. He always tries to discourage you. Uh, Christine, I want you to take a chair and join me at my table, and you're going to be depression. And look how discouragement is already getting healed in this, in this, in this message. So, so I'm I, in the presence of my enemies and my and my and my feasting on the things that God wants me to have. Uh, Bailey, would you please join me? And and Bailey, you're going to be addiction. You're gonna you're gonna be yes. And you can set some over here if you want to, Chris. Bailey is my addiction. And uh, Isaiah, if you will, uh, Isaiah, you're going to represent poverty. Because I'm telling you, no mun, no mun, no fun. Can anybody relate? Life is money answereth all things, but life is miserable without poverty, without poverty. Pastor Todd, I want you to be doubt because, you know, when God speaks over you and prophesies over you, it's so easy to doubt the word of God and to doubt the thing the things of God. Uh, Carmen, I want you to come and help me. And Carmen, you're going to represent sickness because I think every one of us battle in one way or another with the fear of either being sick or staying sick. There's no fear when the doctor tells you your heart's not doing right. There's no fear when the doctor tells you you have a lump under your arm. There's no fear when the doctor says you have cancer. There's no, that's the most overwhelming, gripping It'll, it'll take your breath away. It'll, it'll steal your joy. It'll mess you up. And it will bring discouragement, depression, and everything else attached to that. I need worry. Courtney, can you come and be my, be my worry? And Pastor Connie, I want you to be my fear. I want you to come. Pastor Connie, you got to bring your own chair. you got to bring your own chair. And I, I, one of you can sit over here. So notice, in the presence of my enemies... God has prepared for me a table. And so at that table, it's not that he delivered me out of the fiery furnace. He delivered me in the fire furnace. It's not that he delivered me out of the den of lions. He delivered me in the den of lions. It's not like he delivered me out of colon cancer, but he delivered me in colon cancer. It's not that he delivered me out of drug abuse, he delivered me in drug abuse. Sometimes you've got to walk through stuff to grow. Sometimes you've got to walk through stuff to see how, how much God is involved in your life and how much he cares about you. So I say to discouragement, dis which one's discouragement? I'm, I'm going to say discouragement. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me because that, that word is my manna. That's my food, and that's what I live on. Depression, I'm here to tell you, depression, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And with salvation, I shall draw joy from the well of salvation. Addiction, I want to tell you, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And like a bird out of prison that's taken its flight, like a blind man that God gave by his sight, like a poor wretched beggar from fortune and fame, I'm so glad I found out he could bring me out with his holy name. There's just something about that name. It gets sweeter every day. It gets more precious every day. It gets more powerful every day. Where's poverty? Poverty, I'm here to tell you. 
that my God shall supply my every need. He's preparing for every meal, every event, every journey, every promotion, every blessing, every favor, every door. He has provided and made a way that I don't have to deal with poverty. And doubt I'm here to tell you with God all things are possible. You might tell me I can't do it. You might worry me and confuse me. But I'm here to tell you the Bible has more, God has more faith in me than you do. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Sickness, where are you? I need to tell you, your, your sickness, who, who was poverty? Okay, who's, who's doubt? Okay, so now we're sickness. Oh, you're doubt. Okay, whatever I said a while ago, that was for you, doubt. Okay. <laughs> sickness, I'm here to tell you. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my inequities, the chastisement. And by his stripes, I am healed. Worry, where's worry? Worry, I'm here to worry. I'm here to tell you, if God be for us, who can be against us? And fear, let me tell you, fear, perfect love casteth out all fear. And I am loved perfectly. Therefore, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue rise against me, I shall overcome. In the name of Jesus. Would you give my table talk a hand clap of appreciation today? And that's all I got. That's all I got. Now, don't be taking any of my snacks now. They'll be going by the table. A table is prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. Be careful who you let sit down and eat with you. All the devil needs is a splinter, a crack, a crevice, one negative thought, one negative word, and he'll try to sit down at your table and eat with you. And when we sits down at your, tr your table, he begins to whisper three things. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You're a failure. Everything you've tried to do, you failed at. You're never gonna you're never gonna make it. You may as well have a beer. Not a case. A beer. You may as well get you a Marlboro. You may as well get you a black and mild. Listen, if if you're never if you're never going to be good enough, then you may as well do whatever you want to do. Give up. Throw in the towel. Do something else. Go play. Go party. You're never going to be good enough. Or you try to sit down at your table, and here's what I'm going to say. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. Whatever you're planning, you tried this before, you bit the dust. You're not, you're not, you're not gonna make it. You're not, it ain't gonna happen. Or the third thing you'll say, nobody likes you. 
They just tolerate you. Nobody likes you. You're a loser. Nobody likes a loser. You got a great big stamp on your forehead that says loser. Anything the devil tells you is a lie. So whatever he says to you, you're the exact opposite. You're not a loser. You're a winner. And one day you're going to receive the crown of righteousness and you're going to crown him Lord of Lords and King of Kings and you are going to rule and reign with him forever as one of his children. You're not a loser. You're family. You're a child of the living God. You are a part of the incredible plan that God has for eternity and you are not a loser. And may I tell you something? You're loved. There are people in life that God's bringing in your life that love you. They love you just the way you are. You don't have to you don't have to have sex to get love. You don't have to gamble to get love. You don't have to you're you're, you're loved just the way you are cuz God made you just the way you are and he made you lovable. He made you huggable, touchable, kissable, affable. God loves you and you're loved. And what was the third thing? You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to you're going to pursue the prize of the high calling of God. You're going to forget the things of yesterday. That was then. This is now. You can't start over, obviously. Nicodemus said, shall I go back? In my obviously, you can't go back in your mother's womb. You can't start over, but you can start again. You can see today is the first day of the rest of my life. You can see, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What are we going to do today that's going to bring God glory? And what are we going to do today that's going to bring me peace and favor and blessing? What do you have planned for me today? And it's scary if you really ask that question and listen, you might just get a nudge. You just might get an impression. You just might get direction. You're, maybe you're supposed to pick up the phone and call somebody that's having a tough time. Maybe you're supposed to go and wash somebody's car. Maybe you're supposed to go. I don't, I don't know, but God will begin to direct you. If you'll, if you'll ask, you'll receive what you're asking. If you listen, you'll hear what God has to say. And if you'll put that energy forward, Lemuel Miller, World, World Quality Champion, 1972, taught me, if I make the effort, God will bless the effort. And listen, we, we, we've shared that so many times, aim small, miss small, don't try to take on things that absolutely cannot be done in a week, but begin to plot your course. Begin to plan your life. Begin to schedule your day. Stop asking time where it went. Redeem the time. Start using this time that God has given you for his glory and for his purpose. Bottom line, never forget to eat. Never forget. David said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy words were joy and rejoicing of my soul for I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. My last name is not Davis. Chris's last name is not Vernon. Austin's last name is not Chadwick. My last name is God. I am called by his name. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. We thank you.